um, without any sort of additional thinking or processing or whatever, you know, um, like you're very quick with the yes, which I massively value because uh, basically it's, it's, it's less easy to make experiments without somebody like literally being supportive, you know what I'm saying? So always prepared. Well, I think the th trick is is never to give a crap about preparation and just dive in. Uh, and I think you, you're probably similar to me in that in that manner. Like pretty much improv is the way forward, um, and not worry too much about it. But it, it does make a difference because if I was just like doing this on my own all the time, it'd actually be quite difficult, I reckon. So, um, so anyway, um, welcome everybody to Brain Food Baked Fresh. Yes, this is episode one. Um, and it's actually the first experiment that we've done, um, I think for a long time, maybe for your first uh, for a year or two at least, because we've kind of held steady in the way in which we've been doing, you know, the newsletters, the Brain Food Lives and all the rest of it. Um, uh, but just to explain what we're trying to achieve with this show on Monday, 1230, uh, which we hope is going to be a regular thing, is that we're simply going to do the newsletter review component of Brain Food Live on air, and we're going to do it in this show here um, called Brain Food Break Fresh. Um, a couple of reasons why. Um, I've been feeling for a little while that the two kind of components of Brain Food Live had kind of been competing with each other for time. Um, and I was I was rushing you off, Adam, wasn't I? I was like, you know, let's, let's get on with it because uh, people are tuning in, uh, wanting to see the guests, etc. And the guests come on, and it's like, you know, I, I find that we've not given them enough time. Um, and we've got some amazing people that want to come on to Brain Food Live, and I'm giving them 20 minutes, 30 minutes, because it's multi-guest as well on, on, on panel. Their speaking time can actually be quite constrained, so it got me thinking. You know what? We need to we need to do right by the guests and also right by the audience by giving them more speaking time and, and uh, the guests more opportunity, sort of the, the crowd more opportunity to see what they're all about. Um, and in any, any case, I kind of missed this part as well, where we can actually have a natter. Uh, about what the, he what the heck was going on in the newsletter, which was the original idea of Brain Food. Um, way back when, when we first did the show, Adam, I don't know if you remember when we first kicked this off, um, episode one of Brain Food, live on air, um, the idea was to talk about the newsletter only and then see whether we can bring people onto uh, on, onto the uh, the screen. Um, but this is pre-COVID, pre-Zoom, and no, no one would be prepared to come on. It was like just me and you anyway. And we thought, right, we need more than just us. Um, but world might have changed. And I reckon we'll probably get away with getting more people on screen now. Um, and that's what it's meant to be, folks. We're talking about the newsletter. That's all this show is going to be about. What was interesting? Let's pick out a few points. Let's talk about them. And if you have got anything to say about those things or you're not happy with what I put in there or whatever it is, let me know in comments or in chat stream and we'll get you on screen. You can talk about it. Yeah, it's basically how it's going to work. Brilliant. Um, are we going to have an opportunity to bring uh, people on who have actually authored the, co the content that's featured in the Brain Food? I would love that as a is that a good idea, folks? I had just it sounds like a brilliant idea, um, but it, I have, it hasn't occurred to me to even ask them. But um, I see no reason why not. Wouldn't it be Wouldn't it be good to get them in to say justify your case and justify your claim? Yeah, yeah, or or the people who have who have referred the content. So I know a lot of people pitch content at you and go, 
hey, look, I saw this. It could be great brain food. And uh, yep, yep, you know, sometimes yep. it is and sometimes it gets in and you do a hat tip to whoever has uh, referred it. Brilliant. So hat tips get invited on. So if you sent me something on that I include in the newsletter then, and, it, and it is included, then yes, we're going to bring you on. You can give yourself 60 seconds, however long it is, to talk about why you thought it was great. And the authors who produce the content that is actually stuck on, we'll try and pull them in as well, because wouldn't it be cool to have like a, 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 a post that was very well read and we just get that person on to say, hey, listen, what inspired you to write that? Um, sounds like a pretty good thing to try and do, I think. So um, I'd just like to uh, ask you about the uh, logo for um, Brain Food Baked Fresh. And if it is deliberate, if it's just bad, really bad graphics, or it is deliberately <laughs> like 1980s video game style. Thanks. Uh, Me, I just use Canva and I use the random font. Um, and it, actually the name of it, Baked Fresh, was a default a, de a default icon in Canva that they give you for free. So the, you know, my, my, my lack of, my lack of design uh, skills has determined the naming of this particular show. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's nothing it was, to do with uh, any design choices. I assure you. Yeah. It was the word, it was the word brain food though on the image. It looks like um, the, the word brain food looks like it's an Atari style 1980s shoot em up uh, that you've done there. So I would just say that you did it deliberately. Oh yeah, well I can't claim credit for that. I mean, it, it's generally speaking, it is a pixelated bricks or something. It's it's again it's a font in uh, in uh, in uh, in Canva. So thank you Canva for for sorting all that out for us. You know, the, the only um, other one thing before we get onto the brain food, before we run out of time to do the brain food, um, is the uh, I, I really I really hope that this show doesn't end up getting nicknamed brain food half baked as opposed to <laughs> baked fresh. That's it. It's, it's fine. I think we're gonna have a bit of fun with it. We don't need to be super serious, you know. Um, there's no sponsors on this anyway, so it's like okay, we can just have enjoy it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it is about deep diving on the newsletter. So, you know, I send the newsletter every Sunday. Some of you like to read it a little bit on Monday, I guess. So it might be a little bit late for you, but a bunch of people have read it. I've got like 30 percent people have opened it already. So the majority of people who read the newsletter have already read it. Let's dive in and talk about it. Like what was interesting uh, for you, Adam, this week? Um, so I wanted to talk about a couple of things that we don't normally talk about on Brain Food Live because they're not actually listed as brain food. They're just like extra bits, bits of useful stuff that you add in. So the first one was the very top. Um, so thanks very much for pulling together the uh, big list of uh, events. There were 80 something. There was there was over 80 between now and about May next year. And yep. so, you know, events are back. They're back with a back in a big way. And uh, you know, there was a lot of uh standard ones that we all know and love, like um <clears throat> you know, rec um breakfast and events like that. But there was a lot of things in there that uh, looked kind of fresh and interesting as well. Let me so, just qu quickly share screen for everybody because just to show you what we're talking about um we are talking about the big list folks this is the thing so the big list is back um so this is the thing i basically suspended uh in 2019 obviously due to online uh, sort of uh, in-person events not being around um and look at all this this is all stuff that you guys have like inputted in here um so it looks like we're doing cool stuff look at the fonts here i mean goodness me people need to stop copying and pasting um 
Uh, oh my goodness uh yeah yeah we're, we're generally okay but you know what i need to clean it up a little bit uh, what's happening here people are just dead like human resources are just totally turning up to zero events to, to a blank event um they're so enthusiastic about in person um but anyway that is available down here you've got a google sheet here folks and essentially that should fire up and you should be able to access this thing and add things to the bottom of it um, and that will mean that we will have a we'll have 30 people uh, on it already. So that will basically mean that we are going to have a um, close video and focus screen. Uh, do I just close that video there? I don't even know how to stop screen share. Um, uh, how many of these are you are you hosting or moderating panels on? Is somewhere like three quarters of them? No, no, very few. Very few. Um, so, so uh, Louise, help me out here. If I if I if I close the video here, am I actually kicking everyone off uh, sort of Crowdcast, or is it just that panel? Because uh, it's absolutely not clear. Uh, oh, here we go. Stop screen sharing. There we go. Fine. Uh, okay, a bit of UX. I'm sorry there. It's like <laughs> you want to boot everyone out in a bought first episode. Anyway, if you are running a HR in a recruiting event. You basically need to uh, bookmark that spreadsheet. That's going to be the one place that you need to care about. I've all, there's already 2023 events on there, by the way. Uh, so it looks like it's just going to be the same spreadsheet. And I'll just keep monitoring it and making sure uh, the duplications are not there and you know, cheeky webinar type stuff that needs to be blasted out in person only. But it looks like that's the one thing we could all refer to and make sure we don't double book or whatever it is. So, so yeah, it should be useful. Great. Okay. Um, so... Let's talk about actual brain food. Um, wow, the tools that open source researchers need. Like, yes, a lot of them are Google um, produced tools, like Google Maps, for example, and things like that. I mean, I do love the way that you can get people's like car registration number. Well, maybe not the car registration numbers, but you can work out a lot of information about individuals by zooming in on their house. And things like that. What have they got in their drive and stuff like that? Um, it's crazy. I so two to really draw people's attention to. One is Multigo, which brings to like it effectively um, visualizes the relationships between individuals, which is pretty amazing. And well, based then on, the other based one, on what connections you mean? Yeah. Or... Yeah. It's based on it's it's reviewing social media and things like that, and it's pulling together. And that was like number three, I think, on the list of most important. So this is obviously right. a very well used tool. And then number six was one that I think we've talked about on here before, but if not, uh, Wayback Machine. So mm. you know this indexes you know previous versions of any web browser that can be. Um, Sorry, any search engine that that allows crawlers effectively. Mm. Um, so again, very cool to be able to go right. Actually, what was this company saying about itself two years ago and four years ago? How was this wow. person visual, you know, explaining themselves on LinkedIn two years ago? They they didn't do that. They, they their CV doesn't look like that. I know they were doing something different back then. You know what? It's probably going deeper than most recruiters would ever go because our interest is like purely to acquire the name. Is it a relevant person and straight in? 
our due diligence is generally quite poor if, if we're honest because we're so motivated to get a, a, a candidate in process um we're relying on the end employer or our hiring manager to do the dd we don't do it ourselves uh, but it is fascinating to see different functions different people that that put the due diligence at the very highest priority and what you, what you can actually do with some of these tools um so yeah very very interesting um set of things that are there I mean, I think it's, I think it's, there's, there's an effort versus reward element to this, right? So if yeah, you're yeah. sitting in Hayes and you're placing purchase ledger clerks, you know, into companies, then you're probably not going to start using Wayback Machine. But if you're hiring um, security people for Lockheed Martin, then you would be that's that, maybe yeah. a slightly different thing. People in exec search should maybe know more about these types of things, I think. Yeah, yeah. And even if they're not of immediate practical value, they're, they're the sort of things that actually help train the mind in terms of what types of things you've got to look out for and how much information you can infer from the information that's out there. I, I don't know whether you know this um, uh, this game that people play. Um, it's called geo-guessing. Have you heard of this, Adam? No. Geo-guessing. I've not played it, I don't think. It's it's not actually a game. It's not actually like a design game, but people. It's it's a game. It's like a cult that people are, are involved there now, which essentially is a, a, a like people, you give people like a, a a Google Street View of something, and that person is has to try and work out where it is on the planet based on what they can see on things like or oh, the lamppost design and Love the, the, the the sort of the uh, the number plate color yeah, uh, yeah. and how many things what what's on the road like why has it got two lines instead of one oh yeah that's columbia <laughs> and these people are like, able to literally get it down to oh yeah i think it's and i can see the yeah. sun is going in this direction it must be west coast yeah. columbia and, uh, and then the big reveal and they show it and it's like how the heck how the heck can yeah. these people do it damn um, damn it wasn't london it was gibraltar Urgh, yeah, it, it's amazing amanda uh you, you should uh, just geo guess it on youtube and there's some there's, there's this um i think kiwi guy new zealand guy with a dodgy mustache similar to yours adam but um he's like just so amazing because he does it in 60 seconds like the, the 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 challenge is give him some street view with no signage and he'll he'll guess where it is in 60 seconds and he'll look at things like yeah that bird is looks like it's an antipodean bird yeah that looks like it must be in new zealand boom it's there crazy but unbelievable I, it's unbelievable it's exciting but it's also it, it's kind of what we do research resourcing trying to infer information from the little bits that we get and I think a lot of recruiters would be into this because sometimes you just get a little bit, don't you? You get an indication that this person might be this type of thing. You don't have proof, but you might have this uh, inference that that's the case. And you know, that's that's deep sourcing. That's basically what it's all about. That's probably why Google Earth Pro is up at number two in that um, in that list of that OSINT <laughs> list. <laughs> um, best times to post on social media. Yes, that uh, was from Jan Tegzi. It's, a, it's an opportunity to bring Jan on. I mean, he usually should be a great contributor to the newsletter, but we haven't brought him on for a long time. So, uh, so that, again, yeah, you're right. Bringing the hat tippers in might be useful. But anyway, uh, the, yeah. the, the social posting was um, kind of interesting, even though I, I, I was a little bit skeptical as to it because it was a very broad, like they just take an aggregate, right? So... If you if you can say all right the optimal time to post on aggregate on LinkedIn is Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. 
um, that may mean something, but it, it's different from someone who, for instance, is super active on LinkedIn all the time. Yeah. And then you think, is it really Tuesday AM? So is it practically useful to know, but kind of, kind of interesting? Well, I mean, certainly the research was wide enough for it to be valid. I think they looked at 34 million or 35 million different social posts, something like that, to aggregate all the information. Um, the generic information isn't really that useful. So I think the generic information said best times to post are 7 p.m., 3.15, and 8.41 a.m. on Fridays, Wednesdays, and Mondays, maybe in that order. Is that right? Yeah, Fridays, mm -hmm. Wednesdays, and Mondays. Um, depends what you're doing. You're not going to get a lot of recruitment interest at 7 p.m. on a Friday. Uh, so it did go and break it down a little bit further by social networks. I think it's a place to start. And if you can work out, use your own analytics. And if you can work out, you know, what's working for you and what's not, whatever's working, do more of it. I was about to just say just that. I mean, the, the, the better data is actually your own behavior over time, yeah. always. So these aggregates are useful over a big scale. But if you're a recruiter, you're posting things or you're, you're a marketer trying to get more people looking at your stuff, what you've got to do is track your own data um, because that's the only thing that really is important. Um, it could be you found a way to do it to your audience that really works and that discovery is you're not going to find that information out from aggregate stuff like these guys have produced. Like I say, interesting, worth reviewing as a guide, maybe if you're starting. Um, but the stuff you need to be monitoring is like, okay, over time, if you're doing anything regular, is this going in the you know, north, 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 uh, sort of east direction on the chart? That's basically what you got to monitor. It's to me, it's uh, it's quite similar to the concept of personas that we've talked about a couple of times, and I think that personas are good way to start thinking about you know who to uh, uh who you're marketing to and what you're going to say to them but um you probably adapt that over time as you learn from your own data and that'll be the same with like times of days yeah it's just uh uh yeah <laughs> very very good point bass yeah absolutely uh, again it depends on your your kind of behavior so people who can't see this basically bass is saying you want to reach different people so you maybe want to be a bit more sporadic with your posting it's actually a very good technique i mean why not um uh, definitely if you wanted to expand your network that's one of the ways to do it yeah you got to think about so if you're doing that you got to think about am i trying am i trying to get the people to click the first time they've seen something from me so it's a it's a like spontaneous click, spontaneous act activity, or am I trying to build up brand value over time? And it's more of a considered relationship that I'm trying to build here. But um, it is an interesting thing to think about. In recruitment, I think it's probably the latter. It's you're trying to build up a relationship over time. Yeah. Um, except in the volume area where, yeah, you, you can go and generate spontaneous applies, for example. Yeah, I mean, we're doing the, the volume stuff is something um, I definitely want to explore a bit further because you remember that show we did with um, Thomas Walderman um, and we were talking about he was yes. talking hiring 10,000 bikers. Yes, here. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. I, I had a good chat with um, Felix Vexel. I don't know if you know Felix. Um, I do know, yeah. But, but he uh, he came in town. We had, we had uh, a coffee, great chat. Um, and he works again uh, as uh, a TA for Sarah, which is this public health, social social work type stuff. 
again, massive scale up at super, super fast speed. Uh, you can't use traditional, you can't use sourcing. Uh, you know, you, you can't do no. that. Um, no. you, it, he was told me leafleting. So he was like, feel like advertising with a leaflet through letterboxes, having done analysis as to which pro profiles were more likely to have fit the profile of doing social work. Amazing story. I'm going to try and get that case like, studies to that. Yeah. It, it's great. It's great that, you know, for such, he's a really smart, like talent attraction thinker. And if you've got people like that doing leafleting, then, you know, it's safe to say that most of us do not think uh, broadly enough about, you know, how we should, or innovatively enough about how we should be doing things. I mean, the comp I remember back in the day when I was, spending all my time on recruitment advertising. We used to do 38 sheets, uh, you know, what's typically called billboard advertising, like near call centers and things like that. And that doesn't really happen so much anymore, but it's probably still a really great, you know, way of doing things. Yeah, I'll tell you what, another thing that's going to make this super exciting, by the way, is once we get the ability to put uh, uh, sort of drones in the air, we're going to be able to do a lot of interesting advertising with, with basically field stroke digital are going to combine with the use of drones and things like QR codes and stuff like that. Um, uh, I've already seen it in, in different places where QR codes actually painted in the sky by drone deploys, uh, deployed drones. Um, and then you can just take a picture of that wherever you are that within line of sight of this thing and boom, you've got something on your phone. Could be an yeah. advert, could be something. So yeah, yeah. super interesting. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, Narisha. Narisha is a UX designer looking for opportunities and she got a fake job offer from Splunk, which was not from Splunk. She thought that she was having one-to-one -one liaison with their chief technology officer, I think it was. Yep. And little did she know, it was just somebody trying to get her to fill in some information to capture her data. Uh, this is something that probably doesn't surprise any of us. The use of domain addresses, um, which look authentic, is something that I've had experience of myself recently when lots of people I know were invited to take part in um, something which looked like it was meant to be like, you know, internal an internal company kind of call to action. And of course, loads of people go and reset their password or do whatever it is because they see a domain address, which looks like it might be authentic. A lot of smart techniques out there, but, you know, you've got to be quite careful about what you do. You do have to be very, very careful. And it's quite standard to kind of have a... I wouldn't say disguise. It's not. It's not to be that big a disguise. It's simply let, let's say a slight change of the the domain, and it might still perceivably be the thing. But I, I used to do that in my old company a little bit to try and avoid being like categorized as a spammer, for instance. Um, uh, you know, instead of using a .co, you use a .com. Um, uh, you might own both domains, um, but you kind of burn one of them because you think, okay, I can burn this one. It's okay. That's the high volume outreach type stuff. You preserve the, 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 the email kind of quality of the domain you want to keep. So this type of technique is pretty standard. Um, but this story, I, I would encourage everyone to read it. Um, and, and I think this poor lady, um, she basically signed up for a remote design job from a well-known design agency. She thought it was a well-known design agency. 
It was a asynchronous assessment process. Um, so in other words, she was had to fill in the questionnaire, had to submit work, had to do those types of things, things that we promote, right? These are the things that we think this is efficient way to do it. So she went ahead and did all that. Then she said, oh, then she got a response to say, right, you've got the job. Congratulations. Um, all of this was getting set up. By the way, we're going to have to send you the kit in order for you to do your work. So this is a UX UI designer. Um, and basically, uh, this person needed, I think, a laptop, maybe a camera, like various things. And what the scammer ultimately did was to say, hey, you need to basically make pre-purchases for these products that you'll then get reimbursed back via your salary or something of that type. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what happened was she went ahead and and, and, and bought these things. Um, and obviously, uh, the, the money was scammed that way. Um, and of course, people might dive in and say, look, how can you be so naive? How can you be this, that, or the other? Um, but the reality of it is, um, it is a... Um, it, it, being like scammed is not something that is uh, dumb people are not victims of scams. Um, the people that are victims of scams usually are, are above average in terms of IQ intelligence. Um, uh, they've simply been led into a place um, that is unfamiliar to them, yet at the same time plausible. Um, yeah. and, and this is what's happened to, to this lady here. So, like I say, uh, one of the big sort of conflicts that we have is this for me is an example of how remote has actually increased the fraud risk of this type um, because this company, uh, pre-COVID, there's no way you anybody would even think about accepting a job without having dialogue in person with a, a human being. Um, but the, 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 we've changed the world, obviously. We're now in a situation where um, we have... Um, we're now in a situation where basically we have to accept lots of things. Might, you you might get hired by a person that's never met you, right? We're saying, well, yeah, this is this is one thing we expect. Therefore, the fraud risk goes up. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I don't know how what to do about that, but it's one of the things that uh, we've got to learn quickly how to uh, to sort out. So yeah, interesting one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, uh, the graduate job market. <clears throat> According to Hiring Lab, mm -hmm. graduate job markets bounce back. Postings are all up. Um, remote options are all up, which is interesting because obviously so much learning in a graduate job, you know, traditionally was being in workshops, being in training sessions, being in uh, you know just in the office and soaking things up through osmosis. Uh, so that was interesting as well. Uh, however, the number of companies offering internships remains low. So it's been low for the last couple of years, and it's not going up either. So, um, yeah, I'm finding it quite interesting that the graduate job market has, has gone up. Um, given the amount of companies that have got hiring freezes and things like that, I would also mention the RAF one. That was um, obviously going to cause some controversy. We, given... should talk, we should talk about that um, if we have the time. Um, but on the on the graduate side, it's promising, isn't it? Um, at yeah. least that you know, because the graduate the, the graduates over the last two years, I think, have probably had the the, the most difficult 
uh, reset of expectations, let's say, um, than, than, than anybody might have. Uh, uh, I don't envy people in that sort of frame at all. Um, but uh, hopefully that means that the, there's more hiring, pipelining going through. Um, I do think that those graduates will be going to in-person sort of offices generally. Um, so I, I think there's going to be a lot of companies that if they're interested in growing and developing their own staff, they're going to be in-person and they're going to recruit the young talent coming in entry-level wise. Um, and yeah, quite right. Um, Gary, very interesting. I think it, it won't just be graduate. It will be anybody that is early entry. So companies will say, right, we're going to train you. That's fine. Uh, but it's going to be in office. It's easier to do that than remote. Everyone knows that. Um, so that's where it's going to be. I think remote ultimately is going to be experienced higher knowledge worker business it's going to be not it's going to fully remote will be essentially be knowledge worker only professional services maybe software development accountancy that kind of thing um but if you're a, a, a big business that is pipelining graduate you've got a graduate scheme right now i think you're back to the office in some way maybe with a lot of flexi with a lot of you know uh whatnot but um but anyway yeah, one one there's there's quite a lot of dynamism in this area, isn't there? I noticed that PwC, for example, have they they reduced the they they've said you don't need a two one to join us as a graduate anymore. We'll take a two two, and I think that's quite good. However, they they also linked it to social mobility, and I'm not entirely sure what the link is there because I don't think there's very much link between the quality of the degree you get. And the or like the, the grades you get versus your social, you know, economic, socioeconomic background. Um, so I'm not sure that that really I, I understand what they're trying to do here, but I don't know if they're solving the problem that they've set out to solve. Not sure. Anyway, yeah. that's a com completely separate to the to the uh, to the brain food. Yeah. Let's talk about RF. Just, that's 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 worth discussing because it's a tough yes. one, but it's interesting. Um, I have I have one minute to discuss it. Go on then. Uh, so yeah, RAF have put a recruitment freeze on white men, and the reason for that is because they need more diversity in their workforce. Totally get that. Uh, this was obviously gonna. Um, you know, create a lot of problem with Daily Mail readers and like incel and people like that. Um, so I'm not entirely sure that they should have mentioned it the way that they did and whatever. But yeah, this it was always going to be controversial. Yeah, it's it's interesting in many ways because it's uh, uh firstly it was report. I mean, stuff like this is just red meat for the right wing press, so it annoys me a great deal. I hope I, I expressed that in the in 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 the commentary uh, because it was identical headlines just spread across the Telegraph, the Express, the Mail, all of these, and obviously everyone's just going foaming at the mouth about this this headline. Um, you look deeper into it, and it was a temporary pause for recruitment of white men so uh, there is a there is a that issue yeah. and i think that's an unacceptable situation and someone did resign from the recruiting team as a result of objecting to this um and it turned out the reason why and again i need to dive in a little bit deeper onto the um uh into the detail here but the reason why was because there seemed to be like an a quarterly quota that they were monitoring there was a kpi they were monitoring on throughput 
and I believe the head uh, of the department wanted the numbers to look better. They wanted the ratio to look better. Therefore, let's pause on the hiring and, and, and this, get the, the overall ratio better and then have a better reporting. So that's a secondary problem for me, which is you're, you're managing to the KPI rather than to the objective. Uh, the objective is just to hire great people. So let's just focus on that. Um, if it turns out that, you know, the diversity isn't there, then you go back and look at that situation. But instead, here we have misaligned incentives. We have a number that wanted to reach. Let's hit that number regardless. And then suddenly you're doing things like freezing hiring when actually, as I understand it, you know, the armed forces are having a recruiting crisis anyway. So it's like you can't afford to have this. Anyway, lots of problems with this, multi layered problems. Yeah. Um, and you know, probably the entire thing, I'm sure they thoroughly regret the uh, scenario right now because it's uh turned into you know some very bad PR, mm -hmm. anyway. Um, you gotta go, everyone's gotta go 30 minutes. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I thought it was quite good fun. I don't, know, I don't know what people think about this show, I've enjoyed it. I think it's probably worth more than 30 minutes. I don't know why we want to commit uh, like uh, a little bit longer to discuss, especially if we get crowd on. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, apparently if we go to version two on Crowdcast, I'm going to do now, Louise. People can just walk in and do it. So you know that may be more exciting and more thrilling. And then I'm sure people like Gary and Bass would love to come on screen as well. Um, and it, you know, we don't need to police it as much as we do. So definitely we shouldn't be dominant on this. It should be a discursive. Um, so so that's about it, folks. Brain Food Big Fresh episode one already taken care of. Next week, we're going to do it again. Maybe it goes to an hour. And at that point, we're going to try and bring people in uh, and literally have a call-in type of experience. So we'll talk about these topics. You want to talk about it, in you come. Then we'll kick you off. And then in you, yeah, we'll do that way. Yeah? Yeah. I feel, I feel like half an hour could, could be an hour. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely should be. But anyway, everyone's got to go. We've got lunches to eat and everything. So thank you very much for watching Baked Fresh, Break Food, Break Fresh, episode one. We'll be back next week for episode two. Um, cool. I think you should follow the Crowdcast channel. That's probably the best way to do it. All the best. See you later. What do you think, everyone? That was all right, wasn't it? Quite good fun. Quite lighthearted. Enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Thank you, Bass. Thank you, uh, Gary. I totally think this is this is. I, I do think it's correct to split it. Um, no, Bass, it's big fresh. No, and it's not thirty minutes. We're going. We're going to go. We're going to go sixty because we need people like you on screen. That's what's going to happen. Because um, right now you can see already two people talking just burns the time. So uh, we're going to find additional space and then get folks to pop in and have a chat if they want. All right, that's about it, folks. Um, we'll see you Brain Food Live this Friday. We are talking how to make a recruitment content engine. Um, we've got Joel Lalji on. Uh, if you know him, follow him on LinkedIn. I think he's got like 600,000 followers on there. Uh, you should pay attention to this show because it should be a very exciting one. Okay, I'm checking out, um, I'm checking out Crowdcast version two. <laughs>